Hello, and welcome to Methods, an exploration in guided prayer and meditation. In this episode, we'll take a look at the visionary and theorist of visions, Hildegard von Bingen. In recent decades, Hildegard of Bingen has emerged as one of the most remarkable women in the history of Christianity. Born in 1098 to a noble family, she joined the convent at an early age and was trained under a female recluse named Judah. Around 1141, she began to record the visions she had been receiving from childhood, at the same time embarking on a campaign of public dissemination of her message through letters sent to the major clerical and lay leaders of Europe. In the course of this campaign, Hildegard moved her community of nuns to the Rupertsburg near Bingen at the confluence of the Rhine and Nye rivers. The acceptance of Hildegard's claims to have received messages directly from God about the state of the church, the need for reform, and the impending end of time gave her an authority perhaps never before recorded to a woman in Christian history, as shown by the four preaching missions she conducted in Germany in the years between 1158 and her death in 1179. Hildegard's three major works, Scivius, The Book of the Life of Merits, and The Book of Divine Works, were based on the interpretation of her visions and auditions. In these books, Hildegard speaks primarily as an original monastic theologian with a strong interest in cosmology and eschatology. But she was also a poet, a playwright, a composer, an artist, a physician, and more. Hildegard's reputation was founded on her visionary claims. The extent to which her visions can be described as mystical is still under discussion. While many of her showings are primarily didactic, others are unitive and transformative in a mystical sense. Hildegard was not only a visionary, but also a visionologist, in the sense of someone who reflected on the mode in which her showings were received and the effect that they had upon her consciousness. From Letter 103 From my infancy, when my bones and nerves and veins were not yet full-grown, even unto the present time, I have always enjoyed the gift of this vision in my soul. I, who am already over seventy, In this vision, as God wills, my spirit ascends to the height of the firmament and the shifting air, and it spreads itself abroad among different peoples, though they are in distant regions and places far from me. And because I see these things in such a manner, I therefore also behold them in changing forms of clouds and other created elements. But I do not hear them with my bodily ears, nor with my heart's thoughts, nor do I perceive them by the use of any of my five senses, but only in my soul, with my outer eyes open, so that I never experience their failure and ecstasy. Rather, as I see these things wide awake, day and night, I am inhibited by constant illness, and so wrapped in terrible pain that the threat of death is near, but God has sustained me up to this present. The light that I see is not spatial, 
yet it is far brighter than a cloud surrounding the sun. I cannot discern height, nor length, nor breadth in it, and I call it the shadow of the living light. As the sun, moon, and stars appear in reflected water, so do writings, speeches, virtues, and deeds of people are given form and shine out to me in this light. Whatever I see or learn in this vision, I retain for a long time in my memory, so that I remember what I heard and saw at any time. At one and the same time I see and I hear and I know, and in an instant I learn what I know. I have no knowledge of what I don't see there, because I am not learned. What I see and hear in this vision I write down, and I put down only the words I hear there. In unpolished Latin words, I put forth what I hear in the vision, since I have not learned to write down the vision as philosophers write. The words I see and hear in the vision are not like the words that sound from a human mouth, but they are like a shooting flame and a cloud moved in clean air. I am in no way able to understand the form of this light, just as I can't gaze fully upon the sphere of the sun. In the same light I sometimes, not often, see another light, which I call the living light. I can say much less about how I see it than in the case of the other light. And while I am gazing at it all, sadness and all pain are taken from me, so that I am like an innocent girl and not an old woman. But due to the constant illness I suffer, I sometimes am exhausted in putting forth the words and visions that are shown me there. Still, when my soul sees and tastes them, I am so changed into a different mode of being that as I said above, I consign all pain and suffering to forgetfulness. My soul drinks in, as from a fountain, what I see and hear at the time of the vision, and that fountain remains always full and inexhaustible. My soul never lacks the first kind of sight, what I called the shadow of the living light. I see it like the dome of heaven in a bright cloud, and I behold it without stars. In this light, I see what I often speak about, and from the flash of the living light, I give answer to those who ask questions of me. The Seventh Vision Finally, at a later time, I saw a mystical and wondrous vision, such that my insides were disturbed and my body's power of sensation was extinguished, because my knowing was transmuted to another mode, as if I did not know myself. And from God's inspiration, as it were, drops of sweet rain splashed into my soul's knowing, just as the Holy Spirit filled John the Evangelist when he sucked supremely deep revelation from the breast of Jesus, when his understanding was so touched by holy divinity that he revealed hidden mysteries and works, saying, In the beginning was the Word. The Word, who existed without beginning before all creatures, and who will exist without end after them, commanded all creatures to come forth, and he produced his work in the likeness of a smith who causes his work to blaze out, because what he had kept in his predestination before the ages now appeared in a visible way. 
And so humanity in every creature is God's work. But humanity is also the workman of divinity and the reflection of his mysteries. And he ought to reveal the Trinity in all things because God made him in his image and likeness. Just as Lucifer in his ill will was not able to break God apart, so too he is not capable of destroying humanity's state of being, although he attempted it in the case of the first man. Therefore this vision taught and made clear to me the message and the words of this gospel, which are about the beginning of God's work. And I saw that the same explanation ought to be given to the beginning of the other writing that was not yet made manifest. In this writing are to be sought many inquiries of creatures about the divine mystery. Thank you for participating in this episode of Methods. For more information, visit us at methodspodcast.com or on social media at Methods Podcast. If you'd like to support what we're doing, you can donate to us on patreon.com slash methods. Until next time.